When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. You're listening to Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and James Batchelor. This episode contains some strong language. Hello and welcome to the Voices of the Vic podcast with me, Ben Ayton, and my co-host, James Batchelor. Uh, we're here to talk to you about Watford's 2-0 defeat at home to Brighton and Hove Albion in the Premier League last Saturday. Um, and then we're going to do a preview of the Aston Villa game, which is coming up this Saturday as well. Uh, but before we get into that, to come to you first, James. James, how are you doing, mate? It was it was a tough watch at the weekend, wasn't it? I know it got a lot of Watford fans down after watching that and a bit deflated. But how are you feeling after that? And how how are you doing, mate? Uh, doing well. I'm doing well. Actually, uh, just yesterday, I, I was given some Lego uh, for Christmas, which seems a bit odd considering I'm 20 years old. But it's not any. <laughs> um, it's not the Lego you're thinking of. It's basically um, it's called like Lego architecture. So. It's different okay. sets like London, Paris, uh, Dubai. Um, so I've got the London set already. I'm building the Paris set currently. So yesterday I was quite busy with that. But but yeah, I mean, after the game, obviously, um, I was very, very disappointed. I thought the football on show was probably the most negative football I've seen for, for quite a long time at Vicarage Road. Probably going back to, you know, when like Walter Zari was in charge um, or, or Ribic maybe as well. It was really, really poor from, from Roy Hodgson and, and the team in general. So... Um, so yeah, I enjoyed building my Lego yesterday, but didn't didn't so much enjoy watching the uh, watching the game uh, last Saturday. That sounds awesome, mate. You're a geek at heart, and <laughs> I'm a little bit like that as well. I, I feel a little bit a little bit deprived growing up. I never was really the kid who got all the Lego and that, but I'm just going to push all that onto Isla and be like, oh, I just want to play <laughs> for your Lego set. <laughs> but yeah, no, glad you're all right, mate. Um, yeah, I've I've been quite busy with work and that. That's why we're we're recording a bit later on in the week as well. Um, just been busy, wedding planning, all that crap. But yeah, um, <laughs> really deflated with that Watford game as well and felt so numb after that. Like you say, really negative performance, James. Um, especially at home, you kind of want Watford to turn up and take the game to Brighton. And it, it wasn't that at all. Um, so we'll talk about the starting lineup and... I think when two o'clock came Saturday afternoon, James, a lot of Watford fans were probably looking at the phone, shaking their head, going, it's going to be a long afternoon. This doesn't really fill me with much hope. Um, starting lineup was a 4-4-2, which is, consists of Ben Foster in goal, Kiko Feminia, Craig Cathcart, Samir Kamara. Midfield four was Kushka, KMB, Sissoko and Tom Cleverley. And up front was Emmanuel Dennis and Joshua King. 
didn't fill me with much confidence going into the game seeing that James was, was you feeling the same very negative starting lineup for me yeah absolutely I mean I don't necessarily mind Roy Hodgson setting up that way away from home because I think against West Ham really really good team obviously we, we were going to be under pressure you know regardless of, of what formation we played so I think you know against Burnley against West Ham sitting back and trying to hit them on the counter fantastic because you're going away to their ground they've got their home fans behind them but you know, going to Vicarage Road, you know, we pay a lot of money to watch football. We want to watch attacking uh, football with, with all the creative talent we've got um, at the club. You know, it's Myla Sarge, Al Pedro, uh, Joshua King, Cucho Hernandez. There's loads and loads of talent there. It's Myla Sarge as well. Um, it just set us up so negatively. And, you know, as soon as I you know saw that starting lineup, especially with, you know, Kuchka and Cleverly out, out on the wings, if you will. I thought it was just, you know, I, I thought we resided ourselves to defeat, you know, before we kicked off, really. It was really, really negative. Um, and actually, I'd, I'd play, I'd place, you know, 50, 60% of the blame um, on Roy Hodgson for the end result of the game, really. I agree with you, mate. And I think many Watford fans will. Um, I'm same as you, totally agree. If you want to set up 4-4-2 and play Cleverly and Kushka as your wide players away from home where you've got to keep it tight and compact. And I think away from home, points will probably be more useful for Watford away from home. But at home, you have to attack the game. You've got to look to try and win the game. And playing, no offence to like Tom Cleverly and Kushka, like probably really good professionals. They do a job. But at home, it just sends a negative like vibe through everyone like the atmosphere at the start of the game was just just dull you could hear a pin drop I think Watford fans are just like why should I bother um that starting lineup don't give me much confidence at all um and then I understand the whole Ismail Asar not starting because he obviously came back to training the day before after his heroics in in the African Cup of Nations for Senegal but at least put someone out. Why? I would have preferred Ken Semmer out on the left, just for you got a bit more attacking, attacking threat. Basically, like you're not going to get it from Tom Cleverly. You're not going to get it from Kushka. You, those two players are there to make it tight and solid, aren't they, James? Like I, I know you want to talk about Kushka a little bit as well, but how he, he must be doing something right in training, and like all the previous managers that we've had this season, um, Cisco Munoz. Roy Hodgson and also Claudio Ranieri have all favoured Kushko and he started under every single one of them. But what is it that he brings to his team? Because I think the defensive work's good, but when he ever is on the ball in possession, he just loses a ball. I don't, I'd argue the defensive work isn't really that good at all because I can go to several games this season where he's given away um, free kicks in stupid positions. I'll take you back to uh, Tottenham at home, uh, you know, Watford very much, you know, in the game, just about nil-nil. Um, then I think it was the 93rd, 94th minute. Kuchka, you know, he gives away a free kick on the edge of the Watford box. Who steps over it? Son Heung-min sticks it in in that in that bottom corner and, and Tottenham go and win the game. And numerous occasions he's done that this season. Um, every player who plays for Watford does offer something. I think he offers, um, you know, he's, he's a bit of a bully. He's a big physical, you know, brute force at times. And, and he can, you know, battle his way through... Through, through the midfield on occasion, but he just doesn't offer 
Um, especially playing out wide, you'd expect a wide player in a 4-4-2 to offer something going forward. He definitely does not offer um, any attacking threat whatsoever. So as soon as Kuchka and Cleverly can get out of the team, the better for me, because we've got so much attacking talent to utilise. And, you know, we're running out of games. And, you know, to, to, to win games, we need to score goals. And I just don't think we're going to do that, really, with Tom Cleverly and, and Kuchka in the team. Yeah, and I, I kind of feel like Kuchka and Tom Cleverly are holding Watford back a little bit. Um, I love Tom Cleverley. I love what he's done for the football club. I, I love his desire. I love his work rate and that. But if I'm totally honest, his legs are gone now in the Premier League, especially. I think he's a good championship player. Uh, I think he's good for a, a team fighting for promotion like he was last season for Watford. But when you need to compete in every single Premier League game and you know the intensity that the Premier League brings, I don't think Tom Cleverley is that player for us now. And I don't think Tom Cleverley brings anything creatively in the midfield. I think you need creative players when you're playing in the centre, especially when you're playing in maybe like the number eight role, which Tom Cleverley well, has mean, done. To be honest, you saw the difference Imran Luzer made when he came on, Ben. He was absolutely, absolutely superb. Yeah, well, he had the urgency, didn't he? He he got on the ball. He wanted to speed it up every time. Like we saw in the first half, it it was so it was so lame. I'll, I'll read a couple of stats here now, James, for what I saw, and I I, I couldn't believe what I was reading. <laughs> in the first twelve minutes of the game, Watford completed two passes. Two. That's ridiculous. Two passes in twelve minutes. That, that's absolutely ridiculous, and I, I probably guarantee they're probably. Um, completed passes from like Ben Foster um, from a long ball up from the well, back. Did we, did we kick off? We must have kicked off as well, I presume. Did we Did we kick off the game? One of them is probably from that. I, I, I can't remember, um, but it, it's ridiculous. And then at the end of the first half, Watford had 28% possession. And I, like we were, going, we were saying at the start, being a team at home in the Premier League, you have to, and you're fighting for your life, you have to take the game to the opposition. I understand that Graham Potter, his philosophy is very um, uh, possession-based football. And I get that. But for me, we showed Brighton far too much uh, respect at the weekend, James, didn't we? It's like we rolled out the carpet and was expecting Man City to come and be like, you have the ball, we'll just sit back. It's Brighton and Hove Albion. Yes, they've been in the Premier League for consecutive years now, but if you're serious about staying in this division, you have to attack them. And uh, do you do you feel the same? Like we just showed them too much respect, and it was just like, like you say, you blame Roy Hodgson for the way we set up. I absolutely agree. I think you know Brighton come and basically played like um, like Manchester City, like Chelsea, like like Liverpool. They dominated the ball so much, and I thought their midfield was fantastic. I thought Lallana was really really good. I thought Pesuma when he came on uh, yeah. lost us completely. He was absolutely uh, ridiculous. You know, wouldn't surprise me at all if if a, if a big club come in for him. Um, Tarek Lamptey as well at right back was just it was just out of this world, and it just kind of made me feel like you know we don't really belong in the division. If Brighton can do that to us and, and dominate the ball like they did, um, you know, God knows what what we still got to play Liverpool away, uh, Man City away, Chelsea away, we've got Arsenal at home. We have still got some big teams to play, and if Brighton can can dominate us like that, um, I'm I'm very very worried as as to what the other teams can do. So um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think we gave them way too much respect. Um, because at the end of the day, no disrespect to them. They're a good team, but they are just yeah. Brighton and Hove Albion. They're not, they're, not, they're not a massive team. They don't have the best players. They don't have the worst players. They're just an average Premier League team. 
um, and we let them completely take the piss out of us, really. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm just gutted because it's just another opportunity missed, uh, you know, by by Watford to pick up three points. Yeah, an average Premier League team that Watford fans will probably take right now because uh, I think Brighton are everything that Watford fans want them to be at the moment. Um, they're very financial stable. They've got a good manager who's, I think he's, I saw you yesterday, he's managed Brighton for 100 Premier League games now. When was the last time Watford had a manager in charge for 100 games? <laughs> um, stability at the club, they've got good players. Like They've got a Rolls-Royce in midfield with Basuma, who are highly, highly rate. He is absolutely different kettle of fish to the likes of what we got in our midfield. Um, I mean, if we, we thought Musa Sissoko was good, I mean, compared to Basuma, he was, you know, there was no comparison at all. He was he, he literally, well, the set. The second half was the Basuma show, really. Well, you say how much we think of like Musa Sissoko and how good he is. I, I've got him written down. I want to talk about his performance and his performances of late. I've not been impressed with um, Sissoko ever since he sent that email out to all of us. Um, <laughs> his performances have been really poor. I think uh, Chelsea at home, he, he was decent. Um, Man City at home as well. Since then, um, I think he's been really poor, and I don't really see what he offers to his what the team. You could maybe say leadership, experience, but I'm not seeing any leadership from Tosoko. I, I kind of think he goes hide, hide in some ways uh, sometimes. But what we see the best of Tosoko is when he he wins the ball deep in the pitch, he loses his man, and he drives forward and gets us up the pitch quickly. We've not seen that lately, and I think because we've not seen that, what the struggling in that midfield battle. No, I absolutely agree. But I, I do think that still, even with Musa Sissoko, uh, you know, performing the way he has been, and, and that's not been very good lately, I still think he's, you know, by far, you know, one of the best midfielders at the club. If you, if you look at his competition, yeah. there's not really a lot of competition to be had for Musa Sissoko's place. You've got <laughs> Kayembe, who, who partners Sissoko in midfield, and yeah. then you've got Tom Cleverley, you know, you've got Kuchka. Are, are they really going to take Sissoko's place? Dan Gosling, you know, not even being registered for, for the Premier League squad. So, I think Suzuko's place is is safe, and I think that's you know kind of what happens when you have a lack of competition. You know, players get complacent. I think we're seeing that with Emmanuel Dennis as well. I think he thinks he's untouchable, and you know sometimes he goes on ridiculous runs. There's someone in a better position. He chooses not to pass. I think there's an element of that with Suzuko as well, where um, there's just not a lot of you know competition for his place. But I, I do think he is one of our better midfielders. So I, I don't I don't think we're I don't think you're Ben necessarily saying he should be out of the team. Um, no, I think there's more highlighting he has been poor in recent weeks. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want. Well, like you say, who, who else is there really to come in and step up and and perform better than Sissoko has this season? I just think lately, last four to six weeks, his performances have been maybe below par. And as a captain, we kind of want more from him and want him to drive us through this sticky period. Um, I just think he hasn't delivered lately. But yeah, like you say, who else is really going to come in? I would like to see Imran Loser come into a side. He has to start. Um, but then I, I'm kind of thinking if we are sticking with maybe a 4-4-2, I wouldn't mind maybe seeing a bit of KMB in Loser in the middle um, and see what they can do. Um, because I, I think Loser offers more than Sissoko. I've been impressed with KMB um, this season as well. I was a bit surprised how he got hooked off at half-time, James. Um, I understood Kushka, but KMB coming off, I was a bit like, hmm, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done that personally. 
Yeah, I think obviously, you know, someone had to be sacrificed. I think everyone in the stadium was calling for, for some attacking substitutions, um, which to be fair to Roy, he, he did implement, albeit probably 45 minutes too late. Um, I don't think Kainbe done anything wrong particularly. I just think, you know, some, someone had to come off. Um, and and unfortunately for Kayembe, it, it was him. But I, I, I don't think I would read too much into that personally. Yeah, so we went into half-time and we were 1-0 down to a fantastic strike from Neil Morpé. You can't give that kind of strike. You, you were right behind that then as well, weren't you? Up, yeah, right behind it. I couldn't believe when it went in. Um, the starters, I, I, we shouldn't give Lamptey that space to deliver the ball into a box. The space that Neil Morpé had to find the back of the net as well was... It was a fantastic finish and you only got to admire it and you kind of wish Watford had a clinical striker like that at times because we've not had it with Joshua King. Look, he's, he's only got five goals this season. One's a penalty. He got a hat-trick against a team that told him he wasn't good enough last season so he stepped up his game for that. And then um, Joshua King has also scored in another game but Neil Mope is the kind of striker that he he gets double figures each season. He, he leads the line very well for Brighton. And I think we've kind of lacked that a little bit for this season. I know we've got other players who have scored a lot of goals, like Emmanuel Dennis and Saar scored and Joshua King. But we haven't got that one player who's maybe standing out like a Neil Mope. Um, second half, it started a bit better. Attackers came onto the pitch, James. We saw the return of Ismail Saar. Um, I, I thought first 15, 20 minutes of that second half, Watford actually upped the ante and they actually took the game to Brighton and we had to try and find a way back into the game. And we was actually putting passes together and we was actually getting the ball into the Brighton box, wasn't we? Well, I mean, my question to you, Ben, was, was it too gung-ho? Well, um, Roy Hodgson did say in the press conference yeah. that it was maybe a bit too gung-ho for his liking. Um I thought it was a ridiculous statement to make, if I'm totally honest. Like, how long has Roy Hudson been in the game for him to come out with a stupid comment like that? Too done ho. Like, we, we, our first shot on target was in the 88th minute from Ismail Azar and was 2 0 down. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not having that. Like you say, I, I think Roy Hudson needs to go back to spec savers for that and try and find some positive, um, potions to put into his team talk this week because <laughs> we, we need something we can't we can't put up with that again mate that that was absolutely terrible gung-ho for you no uh no not too gung-ho for me i thought it was <laughs> what, what we what we should have been doing from from minute one to be honest i thought is Lassar. um obviously you know we know the quality he's got i think you know his his performance against brighton yes he lost the ball a few times but we expect that with Ismail Asar. That's that's what you get with with a player of his quality. He takes people on. He wants to he wants to try and create the opportunity. He wants to score the goal. Um, and I thought, you know, as you say, first fifteen minutes of that second half, it's it's what we should have been doing from from the start. So I was happy. You know, I, I was growing in confidence. You know, I think the whole stadium kind of lifted up a little bit when yeah. you know Ismail Asar come on the pitch. The volume just went up a little bit as well from from the crowd. So. I was feeling positive, um, but obviously Brighton's quality was still there. Dead just brought Pesuma on. He was starting to get involved as well. So the game was still up for grabs. We could have gone on and won the game if, if, if you know, the players chose to do that. And, and if Roy Hodgson pushed forward a little bit more. But unfortunately, it wasn't to be. And obviously, uh, you know, we conceded the, uh, the second goal, which was a really, really scrappy goal, to be honest with you. Yeah, like I say, I, I thought we had control 10, 15, 20 minutes in that second half. I thought the game changed the moment Basuma and Trossard came on. They kind of upped their ante, they upped their quality. 
and they got their foot on the ball again. And I thought Watford couldn't get back into the game after that. We really struggled to get close to Brighton. And it was just like watching the first half performance again, just up the other end of the pitch. Um, and then it was really poor goal to concede as well from a set piece. The ball went over a top three Watford players. I think it went above Sissoko, Joe Pedro and Emmanuel Dennis. They all jumped through the ball, all went above them. And then it, it ended up going into the back of the net after a couple of attempts from um, Webster. And then it was 2-0. Game was done. It was, it was over. And again, Big Freeze Road was empty and quickly. Just fans have wow. given up hope for this season now. Um, fans Did you stay just... to the end, Ben, though? Uh, there was two minutes added on time, wasn't there? I, I, I did the one minute and then I, I, I left after that. Um, I, I always stay to the 90th minute and then I kind of judge if we're attacking and that. And then I'll make my way down because I like to I like to get a head start on all the traffic out of what, but otherwise it takes bloody ages to get out of sometimes. Obviously, if we're, if we're winning and um, we're playing well and we could go on to get another goal, but if, if we're playing shit like we were the other day, mate, I'm not staying at all. Um, but yeah, I, I don't blame fans for leaving. It's a frustrating period for Watford Football Club. Where do we go from here, James? Obviously, we lost 2-0 to Brighton at home. For me, I'd like to see a change of formation because the 4 for 2 is a bit too negative at home, especially. Um, I know we've got Ismail Saar back now who is going to bring more pace to the side and we do need that pace. We, he is going to stretch the defence. Would you welcome a change of formation away at um, Villa Park this Saturday? Uh, it's a tricky one because I think under Ranieri, he played uh, the 4-3-3, which I think is what everyone would probably go back to. Um, but we were still defensively you know, exposed in that formation. Yes, going forward, it was very fun, um, but we conceded still a lot of goals um, under Claudio Ranieri. So, it's about getting that balance right, which I still don't think Roy Hodgson's done so far. Yes, under Roy, defensively, even though we conceded the two goals, largely for the first half, we, we kept them out. Um, I would like to see the 4-3-3, obviously, because I want to be entertained as a fan, paying yeah. to, to watch my team. You know, I'm paying to, to watch goals. I'm not paying to watch, you know, Big Sam, Sean Dyche type football. I want <laughs> I want his I want Asar to bag a hat-trick and... You know, we're not we're not doing that at the moment. So I'd say yes, I would like the change of formation, but I'm not I'm not really qualified enough to, to say how we do that because if I was in charge of it, um if I was in charge of the team, I'd just say let's go full gung ho, um everyone up front and, and let's score as many goals as possible. But obviously that's not that's not what we've got to do. Um I just hope Roy, Ray, um and the team can can strike that balance correctly because Aston Villa Aston Villa next is is a real tough game. Arguably they've got a better team than Brighton, so um, it's going to be a real tough test for us going to going to Villa Park. Well, Roy Hodgson does like to go gun home, mate. So you never know. We might we might throw a kitchen sink at it this weekend. I, I, I doubt it, but in Roy Hodgson's mind, we might get a shot on target in maybe the eighty seventh minute this week. Well, and I just thought, it, I just thought his comments were a bit. I just thought they were disrespectful to the fans. I thought they were disrespect, disrespectful to the. To the players, he, he spoke about Emmanuel Dennis, Joshua King, saying, "Well, we've given them the ball; they have to they have to go and do something now." I, I, I just kind of sat there thinking, you know, who who do you think you are, Roy Hodgson? You've just come into our club, um, you know. Let's be honest; whether he keeps us up or, or we go down, it's not really going to affect his career because he's going to retire um, relatively soon anyway. So, yeah. 
it's, it's, it's not actually a case of, you know, Roy Hodgson's career is going to be damaged if Watford go down. There's really nothing in this job for him, really. So I just think he's come in. He's, he's not really, you know, the fans haven't really warmed to him. He's, he's made disrespectful comments about the attackers. He's said we've played too gung-ho when we've had one shot on target during the game. Um, I just think it's probably the first Watford manager I've ever seen where after three games, the fans absolutely despise them. And to be honest, I, I'm in that camp. I just, I hate the football he's played. I hate the comments he's made. Um, and for me, it's, it's going to be a real dreadful watch in, until the end of the season. But hopefully, um, hopefully he can prove me wrong. So, sorry to bring so much negativity on the podcast, but I, I have to get my, my point out on Roy Hodgson there. No, I'm, I'm glad you're getting things off your chest, mate. Um, I, I, I just felt, he, I felt that he was very defensive when he was answering those questions from the journalists, especially from Adam Leventhal, who was opposing these questions. I just felt like he was he was just defending like he he was in bat and he was defending his wicket and he was trying to get that ball away. But I, I like I say I felt it was a little bit disrespectful like you were saying as well. Um I think the thing is with Watford fans and the managers that we're appointing at the moment, there's such a disconnection with the football club. And we know managers aren't going to stick around. And we've seen Roy Hodgson came in and he's got a contract till the end of the season. How are Watford fans going to connect to that? We haven't connected to the previous managers. There was a bit of a connection between uh, Cisco Munoz and Watford fans. I think that helped with his um, social media presence where he was like liking and commenting and he was popping up in live feeds. He, he still does so to this day. He viewed my Instagram story a couple of days ago. Well, there they are. I love Cisco, mate. And and to think that Watford have gotten the most points this season from Cisco Munoz. We sacked him when we was 14th in the league. But And I know performances were starting to drop a little bit, but he he kind of had the players behind him a little bit, didn't he? And a fan, fans loved him as well. And it's just, it's down to the trigger-happy Pozzo firing, isn't it? It's, it's just getting rid of managers and they, they say about we've learned our lessons from the previous seasons. Have we learned our lessons? The year we got relegated, we had three managers. We're back in the Premier League. We're on our third manager. Where are the mistakes that you've learned from? Because it's, for me, it's looking identical. If not, it's looking worse. And I won't be, t- if I'm honest, James, I won't be surprised if Watford finished bottom of the league this season. Um, I, I think Burnley will probably win games under Sean Dyche because they're very organised and not. I like the look of their new striker as well. Um, for the Dutch guy up top, I think he's going to provide goals. Newcastle, we're not going to catch up with them. Let's be honest. They've got the momentum now. Uh, and St. James's Park is rocking. I think Norwich is going to pick up results this season as well. I don't see where Watford's next victory is going to come from, James. Do you, where, where do you think Watford are going to pick up points from? I, I don't think we're going to stay up. I know. And I might be being too negative, but I honestly, I see us finishing bottom of this league. Uh, I do agree, unless Roy Hodgson drastically changes his approach, which is which he's had in management for the last 30, 40 years, um, which, let's be honest, he's not going to change his, his tactical approach. He's, he's, he's an experienced manager. He, he'll he believe he, he'll know what he's doing. Um, arguably, he doesn't, but we'll, we'll leave that to the next episode. But, yeah, you know, <laughs> I mentioned, you, you mentioned where we're going to pick up our next win from. You know, I don't, I don't really know. Aston Villa is tougher than Brighton, in my opinion. I don't know really who we've got after that, but we've got Everton in March. We've got Arsenal in March to come as well. I mentioned we've got Liverpool away to play, Man City away. 
We've got Man United away, I think, in, in a week or so's time as well. So it is going to be extremely difficult for, for Watford to start this season. We've got 15, 14, we've got 14, 15 games left, haven't we? Um, I'd, I'd say we need to win maybe six or seven um, of the games we've got left, which is essentially half of the Premier League games we've got left. You know, we should be looking, we, we need to win them. And, you know, I just can't, I just, I just can't see it happening. I, I really can't. It just seems like such, um, just seems like such an ask. I think there's, you know, five points between us and Newcastle now. So if they keep winning, you know, even if Newcastle drop points and we win the next game, we still can't catch up with them. It's just, you know, there's so many different, things going on at the moment um i just i'm it, waffling it now looking, i'm waffling it is looking bleak james because i'm looking at the table now burnley are behind us on what, uh, one point less than us but they've actually got two games in hand on top of us um and they've got a better goal difference than us um norwich are two points ahead of us uh, we've got a game in hand on norwich um but newcastle are actually six points clear of us and they've got a better goal difference than us so it's not good reading, is it? And I honestly feel like we've had the wrong appointment again with Roy Hodgson. Yeah. It's looking terrible. It's looking like relegation. This would have been an ideal time to get a manager in and give him full reins of this season and be like, you're our man. You're going to be here next season. We're going to back you. Because that's what Watford fans want. We want stability. We don't care if we get relegated. Look, if, if we get relegated, it's because we've not been good enough this season and what the fans will take that and take it on the chin. But what we don't want is to be given bullshit all the time from our owners saying we've learned from mistakes. No, you bloody haven't. You, you've, you're feeding us with the same crap every time. Give us a manager that we want a bit of stability. It, it would be great to go into work and be like, and, and the guys in the office being like, oh, I see you on another manager. It's like, oh, just do us a favour. Like It worked three, four years ago. It's not working now. Like you only approach free agent managers as well. Have a bit of ambition behind you. That's all we want. We want a bit of like we know we're not going to like get into Europe and all that. Like we're Watford Football Club. We're a small town. We, we we've got like a twenty thousand seater stadium. We're not expecting to finish in the top ten every season. But what we do want is want a, a team that's honest and works hard. And we want our managers to give be given the full reins and be there for a whole entire season. We want our owners to actually back a transfer window. I know we're not made of mega mucks, um, mega bucks, but we want our managers to be backed. Like, just let them sign someone they actually want to bring in, not bring in three or four players. Well, can I just make a point on that, Ben? Because, you know, we yeah, signed Samuel Kalu in January. who hasn't. He's not even kicked a ball. And it just makes me also, you know, it makes me question the the managerial recruitment, as as you mentioned. But it makes me question the the player recruitment as well. Because did Roy Hodgson really want Samuel Kalu? I think I think Kalu was brought in under Claudio Ranieri, and then a week later we sack him. And Roy Hodgson's probably thinking, "What am I meant to do with this guy? I didn't even want." Um, I think I think James, he, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question as well. Do you think the board go? The board obviously have a, a scouting network. They they look at players and they're like. Right, he he looks good. He's got a good profile. I think he'll be good in the squad. Do you think they go to the manager, the head coach at that time, and say, "Look, we're about to sign this player. Do you want us to go ahead with that?" Because for for me, looking in, we don't do that. Do you reckon we do? I I personally think we don't because you know, looking at some of the looking at some of the players we've brought in, especially over the past two and a half years or so, I just I, I can't see any 
real correlation between you know managerial decisions and, and player recruitment. I think that even when Ivic was here, going back to him, I think he really, really wanted uh, a left back. He didn't yeah. get that. Instead, Jeremy Ngakia had to deputise at left back for a while. Um, you know, Claudio Ranieri, he wasn't here for long enough to even make make them decisions, really. I know we brought in a few players, but then a week later, we sack him. So that really has no relevance on, on Ranieri. Um, yeah. And Roy Hodgson, again, you know, obviously he can't bring anyone in because he's, he's been brought in too late. So I, I think it's just... I think it's just a bad way of operating because I, I can almost guarantee you that they've got some deals lined up for, for the summer already. They've probably got a new left back and maybe a new right back, a new midfielder, et cetera, et cetera. We've got a new goalkeeper coming in, haven't we? Madhu Krakoya. You know, who, who organised that? Was that was that Zisco? Was that Ranieri? Who who organised that? Was that the board? manager? Exactly. I've got no idea whatsoever. I think... Um, you know, go, you know, looking at West Ham, David Moyes, he's, he's, he's built a fantastic squad there. And I know, I know for sure, because I spoke to a few West Ham fans, he's had a lot of input into, into who he wants to bring into the club. Um, uh, Brighton are the same. I think Crystal Palace are the same as well. They recruited so, so well in the summer. Um, and they backed their managers. And, you know, even, you know, Sean Dyche, yes, he is struggling this season, as Watford are. Um, but he was he was still backed in, in a January transfer window with the funds they got from Chris Wood. It was yeah. someone he wanted to bring in and Burnley went and got him. And if Burnley get relegated, they'll probably still stick with Sean Dyche because that's their way of operating and they have a consistent way of playing. Um, and they have the players to, to play the way the manager wants to play. And at Watford, we, we don't have that at all. So it's just, I'm out of breath now. It's just, it's just so frustrating. <laughs> it really is. It, it really is. I, I just want... I just want us to. What I want, I, I want Gino Pozzo. I, I know you're watching this tonight, Gino. Yeah. I, I, I want you to come out and speak to the Watford fans because I, I think when you when you took over the football club, I think you you did an interview and I think I watched it and I was actually surprised. I was like, he actually sounds a bit American because he actually spent time over in America at like the universities over there. Oh wow! And I, I was. Yeah, so I was actually a bit surprised that he had a bit of like an American accent to him a little bit when he was speaking. So he has spoken to the club before, but since then I've not I've not read or heard his voice. And I think Watford fans deserve to hear from the owner of the football club. We've obviously heard Scott Duxbury speak on a, a couple of occasions at the end of this last season when we got promoted. He he, he spoke he's spoken at fan forums behind um, Hive Live. And um, he, he obviously did the interview from the Rookery uh, end as well uh, on their podcast. But what I want is I want our owner to come out and address the situation. I want him to hold his hands up and say, sorry. I want him to say what he's going to do next season, what he's going to do and change and make this football club better than what it is at the moment. Um, I, I, I'm not in the camp of wanting the Pozzos out. I want to make that clear. I do think they have been fantastic for this football club. Um, look, when they joined Watford, we had three stands. Um, they've actually cleared a lot of our debts as well. Um, they, well, they... well, you say cleared a lot of our debts. I mean, I'd argue this season they haven't because... I think I think they've got a hundred million pound loan against the stadium. I think, if I'm right in saying. Yeah, but to to back them a little bit, I think the COVID situation hasn't helped, and I think we were probably in a much better financial state we were. Well, a lot of clubs were before COVID hit, so I think that's kind of ruined that a little bit. And I think they're just trying to. They were just trying to. T- 
um, get more time, really, weren't they? And I was hoping and praying we was going to stay in the Premier League this, this year. And obviously, us going down is going to hurt their back pockets. Um, and we know we're not the most like, richest Premier League club in the in the Premier League. We're probably one of the second lowest in rev- revenues um, down there with um, Norwich City. I think us two have the uh, non-richest owners. Uh, everyone else has got big money behind them, haven't they, James? And I think it's the gap between the Premier League and the Championship now. I think that relegation that we suffered, the Premier League has gone on to that next level, haven't they? And you can see that Watford just can't compete. I know we brought in players in the summer, but it's the gap's getting bigger and bigger between the Championship and the Premier League now, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think it's, I th- I think it's you know, quite evident that, that, that the gap is getting bigger because you know, Norwich have struggled this season. Burnley, um, I think the Ronas are quite rich, but they don't really have a lot of financial backing in terms of player recruitment. So us, Norwich and Burnley, basically the three teams spend, you know, not a lot of money at all <laughs> on other three teams who, who are probably going to get relegated, which which sums up the Premier League now, really. You know, Crystal Palace, you know, Crystal Palace have got a ridiculous squad and they're just Crystal Palace, you know, let alone looking at Manchester City, Liverpool, Everton, they've got Deli Ali, Donny van der Beek, Decore, Richarlison, Jordan Pickford, we just, you know, on 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 player ability alone, we can't complete, can't compete. And you know, what manager is really going to want to come to Watford um, now? I just, I just can't see anyone who, who who wants to come to Watford who wants to really, you know, grow that grow their career as a manager. And I think there's always going to be someone who wants the job because in life, you know, when when something just isn't going right, there's always someone who wants to come in and they want to be the person who fixes it. Um, and you you will you will, you will always have that at Watford where where someone wants yeah. to come in and, and be they want they they want to be the manager who, who takes Watford to great things. I think that's what Zisco wanted to do. You know, yeah, Zisco, yeah, Zisco always talked about building a legacy. He wanted to be here for a long time, um, and that's why I was I was really gutted when he left because yes, we'd had a couple um, of, of poor performances, but but really, you know, hindsight's a great thing, right? But looking back at that mm-hmm. situation. Um, would Zisco have, have picked up less points than than we have currently? I'd, I'd argue he'd probably have have more points than we've got just because of the consistency um, of the tactics, the consistency of the manager. Um, the players know that they've got that guy to look up to. Um, I mean, we keep going around in circles here, but in, in answer to your question, um, it is becoming so much harder to compete now, especially with um with the potsos and you know we can't just magic you know a money tree for the potsos and, and they go and spend it that's not how the world works um but there has been you know news stories about potential investors in the past i think that's something that if we can come back up we, we should look at maybe implementing um but apart from that i don't really have um anything to suggest i'm not i'm not wealthy i can't become an investor um so so that's so that's out of the that's out of the question but but yeah it's, it's becoming a lot harder to to compete in the premier league yeah, um, let's let's go back to the managers as well, James. Obviously, we're going to be looking for a new manager at the end of the season as well. Roy Hudson's only got a contract towards the end of the season now. Watford will be looking for another manager under the Pozzo's regime. Um, I, I saw Lou Wands put on Twitter the other day. He was asking people if we do get relegated, which it does look likely, who who would you want to appoint and who would you want us to try and steady the ship at Watford and try and let uh, bounce back? I think it would be a tough task for Watford to bounce back, by the way, as well, after another relegation. But, James, who, who would you maybe look to or want to come in to 
manage what for next season? If, if, if you could guarantee them stability, like guarantee them that you're going to have two seasons at the club, let's say, because I know two two years with Watford is, well, that's, that's very rare. <laughs> um, no one's had two years for, well, maybe since Zola, I, I'd say. Um, I, don't think, I don't think Javi managed two years, did he? I think Javi was... No, he, he, did, he came in maybe January time. Yeah. Finished the season. No, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't Javi. But yeah, I think Zola was. But who would you give two years at Watford as like to stabilise and try and build a team with? Um, it's a bit frustrating because Everton, Everton have nicked the guy that, that I wanted. Uh, and that was Frank Lampard. I think Frank Lampard's a young, uh, progressive coach who I think can, can go on to be a really, really good manager. Um, you know, see, seeing what Wayne Rooney's done at Derby as well is, is really impressing me with, with the squad they've got. They've got, you know, 15, yeah. 16 players. They're not even really getting paid um, a wage. I don't think they're just, they're just playing for, for, for free at the moment. So I think Wayne Rooney's another one. Um, I've got my eye on if he fancied it, which which I, I think he I think he might. Um, but I think Lou Warren's mentioned him before on Twitter. Diego Martinez again, um, a young progressive manager likes to play attacking football. Um, I believe he ideally he'd want a top flight job rather than um, a championship job or a second division job. But but yeah, those are kind of the three people I, I wanted. Frank Lampard's already gone. Wayne Rooney is at Derby. And Diego Martinez is currently unemployed, but then I don't know if he would necessarily take the take the Watford job. So that's who that's who I've got my eye on. The interesting bit about Diego Martinez is that he's actually got a property in St Albans as well, uh, which is we all know is very close to Watford. Um, so that that is one to watch. But I have read that he he's not willing to drop down to the Championship if it does happen, because um, obviously he's he's, he's set his bar a bit higher than that and that's why he, he kind of I think he kind of ruled himself out for what the job this season because well when we um sat Claudio Ranieri because it's a relegation battle and obviously he doesn't want to get relegated um Wayne Rooney James is, is a really good shout and I, I do like I think he's done a fantastic job at Derby considering the amount of players they had at the start of the season they had to bring in so many academy players and for him to give them all the confidence and show that he believes in them. And they're actually performing really well, some of these academy players. I think one of them's actually just signed a um, pre-agreement with Indonesia and be signing oh, wow. joining yeah, them yeah. in the summer. So he, he'll probably be on loan at Watford next season. Uh, I think he's a right-back as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's doing a fantastic job. I don't know whether he would want to come to Watford and that, because I, I do think managers look at Watford now and think that's probably not going to do great for my... Um, reputation but like I say this is this is us thinking if the Pozzos went to a manager and says I'm going to guarantee you two years at the football club um, the two people I, I would maybe look at is Ryan Lowe at um, Preston he's just gone up the leagues with Plymouth Argyle he left them in the top two in league one before Preston came uh, and now he's, he's Preston was struggling in the championship and now they're starting to climb the table in the championship. He plays really, really good, attractive football as well. Um, I, I do like what he's done there. And I think he used to manage in League Two. I can't think of life of me. Was it? Did he used to manage Berry before they went out of business as well? I think he might have been at Rochdale as well. Um, he, he, he managed one of the greater Man Manchester teams. Um, but the second one, I'll throw in James as well. Uh, he was at MK Dons. And then he's gone on to uh, Swansea City. 
is uh, Russell Martin. I think he's doing good football as well, playing good, attractive football, playing younger people as well. So that's the kind of people I'd want at Watford. I want people to play attractive football. I want people to give youngsters faith and belief that they're good enough to start in the starting eleven. And I, I think Ryan Lowe and Russell Martin would do that for Watford. So they're my two picks. Um, but it'd be interesting to see what happens at the end of season. It, when we do go down, because I do think we are going to go down, mate. It's, it's, I think it's written in the stars, really. But yeah, briefly, we'll touch on the Villa game. We won't talk about it too much. Uh, obviously, it's going to be tough going to Villa Park this weekend. Steven Gerrard's done very well at Villa since he's arrived. Um, they've obviously brought in Phillips Coutinho, who just oozes class. I, I like the look of Ramsey in the middle as well, who's it's his first season uh, playing Premier League football, and he's such a young guy, and he 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 is doing so well for Villa as well. I've actually put him in my fancy football team because he's impressed me that much. I, I, um, I do think that he'll probably go on to be like their next, you know, Jack Grealish. Like, yeah. like, you know, coming through, um, you know, the ranks and, you know, becoming a, a Premier League superstar. I think, you know, I, I can certainly see him developing in, into that kind of player. What I like about Villa as well, James, is they've, they've got a good spine to the team, haven't they? They've got Martinez in goal, who's a top quality goalkeeper. Arsenal must be kicking themselves, letting him go, because he's absolutely quality. Um, you've got Konsa, um, centre-back, who I think is really good. He's, he's a better centre-half over Minx, because I'm not a big fan of Minx. And then you've got Ramsey and Coutinho in the middle as well. But you've also got Douglas Luiz, who I think is a very good player. And he gives his own. Brendier as well. And then you've got Ollie Watkins up front, who just runs all day and he's got the quality and he can score a goal out of nothing as well. And I just think that's a really good spine to the team. And I think that's why Villa are doing really well this season. Um, I love Brendier as well. It's good that you highlighted him. He was amazing at um, Norwich as well. And I think they have missed him this season. But talking about all those players, Villa. Villa, who do you see is like the biggest threat this weekend, and who do we have to keep quiet to try and try and get an advantage over Villa? Well, I think you probably know. I think you probably know what my answer is going to be. That is obviously the main man, Felipe uh, Coutinho. Uh, I think he cost Barcelona something like 120, 130 million pounds, uh, and he's a fantastic player. You know, I think you know he reminds me of, of like Eden Hazard, that low centre of gravity. He can jink in between players, um, take any anyone on, good pace. Good shot, um, just just fantastic overall. So I think obviously Coutinho is the main man, but you mentioned that their overall squad: Danny Ings, Ollie Watkins, Jacob Ramsey, yeah. Martinez, Consa. Um, they've just got they've just got a good a good Premier League squad, and you know they should be they should be challenging for for them top ten positions because I think Aston Villa wants to do what what Newcastle are doing. They've spent a lot of money, they've, they've brought in a lot of quality, and they'll want to try and get into them them European places. And by beating us, they, they can do that. So I think for them, there, there's a lot riding on this game, as, as there is for Watford as well. Yeah, like I, I mentioned in the last episode, James, I don't know if you remember, I highlighted West Ham saying about we was in that relegation battle with the teams at the bottom when we got relegated out of the Premier League, like the West Ham's and Aston Villa. Look how far they've like jumped up the table since we was all in that relegation battle. And I think it's all down to one thing for both teams, James. It's it's recruitment. The recruitment that they've all done and brought in the players that they needed and they actually improved their sides brilliantly. Like you say, Danny Ings, fantastic player. I, I, I know Watford don't have the kind of money like Villa and um, West Ham do, but it's about bringing in the right players in the right positions. I don't think you need 
a massive overhaul of the squad like Watford have done. Obviously, Watford have done it this season because we haven't done it for so long and we needed to upgrade on the areas. But West Ham, like bringing in Bowen and they've sorted out... Um, Villa has sorted out getting in Coutinho online, which is a fantastic addition. Brendia, Ings, Watkins. We we could go on. They've got so many good players, haven't they? They brought in Luca Dinia as well, didn't they? Another fantastic signing, and it just makes you it makes you jealous, doesn't it? To think that we was in a relegation battle with them two seasons ago in the Premier League. They've kicked on. They're looking higher up the table now. Watford got relegated. We had to we lost obviously Husey and Chalabar, which I, I do think I've suffered Watford have suffered from this season in that midfield. And now we're just trying to play catch up with a squad that's just not good enough. It's an aging squad. We've got one of the oldest squads in the Premier Leagues and it's just like oh another thing when they said about they learnt from mistakes. They said about bringing down the age cap, didn't they? Like the average age of the squad. We've got the oldest in the Premier League. So how James, don't get me started. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, um, no I, th- I think you're right. It's, it's something to be highlighted. It's just, it's just another issue on on the long list of, of other issues that that Watford have got. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Aston Villa have got a ridiculous squad. Dinier, uh, Martinez, Danny Ings, Ollie Watkins, Coutinho, Buendia. It's just you know, and this isn't even you know a top Premier League side. This is just like no. Brighton. They're, they're just you know mid table trying to get into that top ten if they can. Can they get Europa League? Maybe they're not even one of the best sides, and yet we're sitting here reeling off, you know, five, six, seven, you know, fantastic players, and all of them players, even their substitute bench would, would probably, you know, walk into Watford's team. It just, it really shows, um, it, it, it just, it just shows how how poorly we've recruited in, in terms of player recruitment. And don't get me wrong, we have recruited, you know, certain brilliant players. Richarlison was was probably um, one of the early ones I can remember. Jao Pedro more recently. Uh, Decore as well was was really really good, and we're probably going to get big money for for Jao Pedro at some point as well. But it's just you know I think it's too few and far between. I think we we get the player signings wrong more often than not, and we need to try and get them more right. So you know going forward, um, I think you know we need to definitely consult the manager a lot more in regards to recruitment and say to that manager we're going to back you regardless of of, of what happens. Do you know what I'd love the most, James, is that we bring in a ready-made signing. I know Watford like to bring in these players on a low value, build them up, bring them up to being these mega stars and people we get big money out of after like three, four seasons. But I'd love us to sign like a ready-made star, just like West Ham have done with Bowen and like dip down into the championship because there are players there and we've seen it like... I'll bring up a name for you, James, who I wouldn't mind what for, like maybe going for if we do drop down into a championship. And that's um, Jed Wallace at Millwall. And I think he's actually out of contract at the end of the summer as well. And it just highlights that there's good players down there as well. And we should maybe look into that market a bit more because there is players down there who are ready for the step up to a Premier League. We don't have to go abroad all, all the time and try and find these gems because we might... So- sign 10 players and two of them might be gems but the other eight are rejects or average players that are just going to get you relegated again uh, but yeah that, that's enough for me ranting now um, <laughs> let's do a bit of a score prediction James for this um, Villa game um, obviously it's man of stars going to come back and start isn't he I'm hoping that um, Imran Loser comes in and starts as well 
what do you reckon the score is going to be this weekend at Villa Park? Are you hopeful or do you think we're going to go a bit gun ho and um, score some goals? Because we've not scored a goal for a while. We haven't scored a goal for a very, very long time. Uh, unfortunately, I, I usually am quite positive, but if Roy Hodgson, if he sets up exactly the same way we set up against Burnley, West Ham and Brighton, um, if he sets up that way against Aston Villa, I can only see um, I can only see a Watford defeat. So if he sets up that way, I'll go 3-0 Aston Villa, very comfortable for them, 80% possession, 25 shots probably on goal. Um, however, if Roy Hodgson does play a bit more gung-ho, if he puts his Milosar on the pitch, if he puts Jao Pedro on the pitch, if he puts him Randuza on the pitch, um, I think there's still a chance we could lose, of course, but I think we've got m- a much better chance of, of winning if we play um, with our best players. So um, if he does play that way, I'd hope we could at least get a draw, if not nick a win. But obviously, we've mentioned now, draws are not good enough. We need the three points. I don't care if it comes off someone's bum, arm, arse, whatever, whatever, whatever it is. This is when you need Andre Gray, isn't it? Because he's guaranteed to score one off his arse. Yeah, exactly. So... I think if we set up with, with our better players, we can get something. But if Roy Hodgson is as negative as he was against Brighton, um, I, I can't be bothered, basically. I'll, I'll watch the game, um, but I'm not really going to get get too excited because, you know, I, I don't really... There, there's nothing to get excited about when, when you play that negatively. It's, it's absolutely awful. I normally do about eight away games a season, and I've kind of... I've, I've struggled this season. Obviously, I've got the wedding coming up and I'm saving hardcore for it. But I was actually considering going to Villa this weekend and I thought I'll, I'll maybe do one or two away games this season and Villa would be one of them because ideally it's not too far away. It's just up um, on the train line from, um, well, I'm in Hemel Hempstead, so it's from Hemel to Birmingham New Street. It's, it's not too far at all. Um, but after the performances we put in the, the last couple of games, I can't be asked to travel all that way up there to, to to go and watch them because, like I say, there's lots of fans losing hope and um, faith in the team and fair play to all the Watford fans who are going up there again and spending their hard money and spending their time up there when obviously things aren't going well for Watford at the moment. So fair play to you and you, you guys are top quality and you guys deserve three points at Villa um, more than anything. Um, you've probably gone week in, week out and not missed the game. You, you've sacrificed seeing family or something on the weekend or you could have done a bit of overtime, but you thought, nah, I love Watford. I'm going to go travel up there and support them. And to be honest, they've not given you anything to cheer about lately. So I'm hoping and praying that we can get something to give you guys and girls something to cheer about, hopefully a goal at least. You know our luck, James. We'll, we'll score a goal. Everyone be celebrating. Then it'll be VAR. No, go check the monitor. No, disallowed. And then it's like, well, I guess at least we kind of celebrated a goal. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm going to go for a 2-0 Aston Villa defeat, unfortunately. Uh, but 2-0 Aston Villa win. Um, I, I don't have much hope. I, I think we're going to struggle. I do see us setting up the same way as what we did with West Ham and Burnley, where it's going to be um, two banks of four. It's going to be four four two. It's going to be very narrow, very tight. We're going to try and just make it difficult for the opposition to play. And I, I think that's okay to a point. But 
like you say, you've got to be picking up points now. And I'd like to, us to maybe take the game to Vida a little bit. Maybe we might with Ismail Asar starting from the beginning, but who knows? It's, it's going to be difficult. And I, I, I hate being negative. Like I'm always trying to be hopeful. And I, I hate predicting that Watford are getting relegated and Watford having defeats. But honestly, the last two weeks, it's been dreadful being a Watford fan. And I just feel deflated. I'm not falling out of love with football club because, yeah, this football club's absolutely everything to me and like it's everything to you, James, and everyone else. So we won't fall out of love with Watford. It's just very deflating at the moment and hopefully things pick up soon. We just want something to cling on to, really, don't we? It's like we haven't got any connection with players, none with managers because they're, they're gone all the time um, and no connection to the owners. And that's what's probably hurting the most at the moment. Watford and we've got no identity at a club so the sooner we start picking up results or things getting a bit better I think Leicester's owners are probably the best owners in the Premier League the way they communicate with their fans the the free stuff the free stuff they give them at home games and away games I'm not saying they should necessarily do that I just want I just want some communication I want some I want the strategy to to be explained Um, I think Leicester are are a great example of, of how to run a club They've won the Premier League. They've won the FA Cup. Uh, the, the, the fans love the owners. The owners love the fans. They're, there's a really, really good relationship between them. So I think Leicester, for me, is, is what Watford should aspire to be. I think you're absolutely spot on, mate. Hands down, the best owners in the Premier League. Um, the better owners than the, the top four, top six have uh, got. Um, for, for a side that they've given so much ambition and hope for, for a side that was championship for so long, for them to go up into a Premier League battle relegation, and then have that fantastic season of winning the Premier League. And then for a couple of seasons after the Premier League, they was like dropping down a little bit, but they was fighting for European places. And then last season, they won the FA Cup against Chelsea. Um, I know it's, it's Leicester fans have not really enjoyed this season and they're a sticky patch of form at the moment, but... They're in Europe. They're doing well in Europe as well. And I just think, like you say, the communication they get from their owners is second to none. Uh, it's a fair play to Leicester City's owners. Um, but yeah, we'll wrap that up here. Um, Watford will be facing Aston Villa this weekend at Villa Park. Me and James are going to be watching from behind our sofa because um, it's going to be a ugly watch. Yes. Um, but yeah, me and James will be back Sunday to review it. Hopefully, we've got something positive to talk about. If not, we'll just chew your ear off again and rant about the owners and the managers <laughs> and the football club and whoever else we want to throw into the mix. But yeah, me and James will be back on Sunday. Um, stay safe, guys. I know there's this horrible storm coming up at the moment and we've all got weather warnings. So make sure you're not underneath any trees when they decide to topple down and that. So yeah, stay safe, guys, and um, come on, you odds. Podcast Network.